Okay. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> Hello, my dudes. Welcome back to Previously Gifted. The intro dance gets me every time. I wish I could just not do it, but... <laughs> You gotta. Honestly, you hear those tunes? How do you not dance? I really hope that everybody at home, wherever you're listening, is dancing along to that intro tune because honestly, it bangs. Uh, today, I didn't know what to talk about because I haven't done much since we got back from Ireland last weekend. So I asked you guys to ask me some questions on Instagram. Thank you. The old cop out. But not really. It's like, I want to know what you guys want to know so that I can tell you. I got some questions about uh, my future generally. What are our plans after England? When do we plan to go back? People have been asking us that and we're like, uh, we don't know yet, but I'll let you know what I do know. And then I got uh, quite a few questions kind of about the holiday season and, uh, you know, classic interactions either as a vegan in big holiday meals or like just with family because everybody knows sometimes it can be a shit show and you never know what to expect. You know, it's, it's a Christmas dinner and it might be a good time or it could be the most stressful night of your year. Um, before I get started, we're gonna give a shout out to our supporters, our patrons, okay? Um, if you guys are interested, we have a Patreon. We as in I. It is patreon.com slash previously gifted. You can check it out. You can listen to some bonus episodes. This year, I would really like to ramp up the bonus episodes and at least make one a month, but... <laughs> Yeah, I can't commit to anything until I'm in a stable situation, and at this point, there is no stability in my future that I can see yet. So that gives you a little, a little hint at the answer to that question. But let's give a shout out to my sponsees. We have Hannah Baker, Eric Courtright, Liz Walsh, and love you. Thank you guys so much for consistently supporting the podcast. I really hope that you genuinely enjoy hearing me speak your name <laughs> out loud on a weekly basis. It's like my little ritual. It gets me ready. It gives me the strength to talk. <sighs> every, okay, every single time that I record the podcast. Right now, it's 3.30 in the afternoon. How much speaking have I done today out loud? <sighs> Very minimal amounts. So when I jump into the podcast, I'm like, all right, I gotta get my, uh, my talking teeth on. And we know those always feel uncomfortable. Let's just jump right the frick in with a, with a question. <sighs> there are lots of them. Let's, let's start with an easy-ish one. Do you ever feel like, because you're involved with a bunch of different topics on YouTube, that you can't really focus? Great question. Um, I think that only recently, with my internet analysis series, I've actually begun to feel like I'm doing something right on my channel, which is a great feeling, you know, after all these years, finally doing something right. Um, no, I mean, I enjoy making so many different types of videos, but it's just like, you really have to think about what your audience actually wants to see. And as much as I'm like, oh, it might be interesting if I make a video about this and that and this, it's like, um, how many people out of your 130,000 subscribers are actually going to want to click on that? 
Mm, you gotta think about that. So, um, also what I'm trying to do is, like, grow my channel, which has been working so far, slowly but surely. I've been getting a consistent amount of views, lots of comments, a lot of interaction with, um, my internet analysis videos. And, of course, it's, uh, topics that I personally geek out about. So, it's great. But, yeah, I, I've definitely felt conflicted. And now, especially with my internet analysis series being the like, the only thing I want to post on my main channel. It's, like, I think of making any other kind of video that I would ordinarily put on my main channel, and I'm like, ah, maybe I'd put that on my vlog channel, because, like, now I don't want to mess up what I'm putting together on my main channel. So I'm like, oh, well, that's not relevant to everybody. That's a little bit too personal. Let's put that on the second channel. But you guys know I don't upload on my second channel very often. By the way, it's Vlogmas. Let me know what you guys think. If you're watching this on YouTube, by the way, leave me a comment right now. I'm very lonely. Shout out to Drew Monson for returning to YouTube. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing stand-up and I'm like throwing out these one-liners, but they're not jokes. And I'm just like leaving them there. And I'm sitting all weird in my, my stolen polo shirt. Stolen from Nathan. Anyway, <laughs> I do like getting YouTube interaction. I've been getting a little less views on the podcast on YouTube lately. I don't know if that's because people are transitioning and listening to the podcast rather than YouTubing it, but I'm just, I'm just feeling a little self-conscious. I need a little bit of love, so leave me a comment. Thank you. And of course, those of you listening, if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, please go to iTunes and leave me a rating and review, and I'll read it. I don't think I got any new reviews since the last episode, so we're not going to be reading any. What was my point? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like it, though. I like right now what I have, the balance between my personal things, which is this podcast. This podcast is hard for me to market because it's kind of become what my main channel was in that, like, <laughs> I can't, I've been trying to literally write, like, like, a summary of what this podcast is to put on all the different podcast pages and stuff, and I'm like, how do I describe what Previously Gifted actually is? Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, Previously Gifted, it's about adulting, it's about the struggles of being a young adult, but everyone can listen to it. But then I'm like, sometimes it's me rambling about movies that I've seen, sometimes it's a political rant, like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But again, that's why I appreciate you guys for listening, those of you who listen on a even a semi-regular basis, I appreciate it. It's so nice. Um, but it is really nice to have this outlet as a very personal um, platform that I can expand on topics on because um, <laughs> I'm glad that the, the long YouTube video trend is happening. But um, I know that not everybody wants to listen to like a 30-minute vlog from me, but I'm glad that some people want to listen to an hour-long podcast. Um, it's just great. And I'm enjoying the internet analysis. And every time I'm like, oh, have I run out of ideas? I think of 10 more things. And I'm like, oh my god, this is going to take so long to make all these videos. Because um, I do put a good amount of research into them. I'm trying to make them, like, actually thoughtful videos. Um, and then, of course, the editing. Uh, I try to insert a lot of examples and things that make it visually stimulating. Anyway, <laughs> so to answer your question... Uh, yeah, what I what I did was instead of feeling like I used to, like I like I wasn't focusing my content, I decided to focus it. But it is kind of nice because though I am making like one series, internet analysis, the topics themselves are all so different, and it's really um, 
nice, at least so far, to see people watching, like, very different kinds of content. <laughs> and um, so it's like, oh, you're going to talk about family vloggers, and then you're talking about fast fashion. But I tie it together in a way that makes it digestible for you. That was way too long of an answer for a rather simple question. <laughs> Let's jump into something else that is also juicy. <sighs> okay. Wow, 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 wow. Somebody said, family members attacking you at Christmas dinner because you're vegan. Yeah, let's talk about Christmas. Nathan and I made an episode, I'm pretty sure it was like the second or third episode of this podcast last year. Uh, We were talking about his Christmas traditions because he was missing out on Christmas over here in England because he was with me and my family in Arizona. And um, (laughs) this year we have been trading more information back and forth. His mom always asks me about different things like, oh, what are the traditional Christmas foods in America? Or what do you guys do? Do you play games? Are there songs? Like all kinds of questions. Um, Because this house is full of jolly Christmas spirit. There are so many decorations. And um, at least Nathan's family is very traditional in their Christmas in the sense that You know, you bring out all the traditional foods, the Christmas pudding, the mince pies, the things I don't understand. I'm like, what is that? No, I've never heard of it. Um, And then, yes, as a vegan, I am like, well, some people have traditions, but that kind of goes out the window when you're vegan because you have to either modify it or just not eat those things. But um, luckily... (laughs) My family back home, usually I spend Christmas uh, at my grandma's house because it's her birthday. Shouts out, Julie. I never call her just Julie. Shouts out, Grandma. Um, (laughs) So usually we're celebrating her birthday, but also Christmas. So it's not like a 100% Christmassy day. But she is always very uh, helpful when it comes to making food that I can eat. She's very mindful for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And Christmas, she always makes, I mean, she just cooks really great, like, whole food, healthy meals. So to make some things vegan is not too difficult for her. And I appreciate that because I've never attempted to make my own (laughs) holiday meals. I've just never been in the position so far to, like, cook an entire, you know, array of, of foods for myself. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. But I don't know. So... Nathan's family, because we will be doing, I think there's Christmas Eve dinner, and then Christmas, and then Boxing Day. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. But basically, you're cooking, like, one giant day of food, and then you eat leftovers, and yada yada. Um, Nathan's mom has already been, you know, out and looking for things at stores for me, and she'll go, oh, this is vegan. Do you want to try this? This is vegan. This is for Christmas. And it's so sweet, because, like, you know, of course... I wouldn't ever say like, oh, you have to, you have to modify your traditional Christmas to fit my needs when I'm the only vegan one. Um, But it really isn't that, that difficult um, to, for me to like enjoy Christmas or Thanksgiving because I'm not used to having a very traditional time anyway. But (laughs) anyway, I can totally understand how if you're with a family that doesn't understand or respect veganism, how that can be really uncomfortable. And obviously, you know, everybody's like, oh, are you going to have the turkey or the chicken or the roast or, you know, so many traditional things are not, 
accidentally vegan, so it can be really annoying to show up and, like, not be able to eat anything and have to bring all your own foods and feel kind of left out because you're eating a different meal than everyone, but that's veganism in a nutshell. Um, For all of you who are out there, you know, gonna eat Thanksgiving dinner or your holiday dinner with extended family, (laughs) there's always differences in opinion, difference in politics, and definitely difference in, um, meal preferences if you're vegan or vegetarian or whatever good luck to you good luck and you know what enjoy it drink a lot if you can that's always my plan for the holidays i'm not a big drinker but like you know i will take some champagne i will drink some mimosas from the moment that i wake up just to really enjoy that holiday spirit i can hear my computer hissing and it's like you're not doing anything buddy you're just recording This shouldn't be so laborious for you. But anyway, it sounds like a really nice, like, um, like a white noise machine in the background, (laughs) which is actually probably the worst possible thing to hear on a podcast. But, oh well, that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with today. Here's a random question. (laughs) How do you deal with someone ghosting you? Um, holy shit. Honestly, let's think about this. Let's go back to my, uh, dating days. To be honest, I haven't really been a huge dater when you're looking at, like, my life. I'm only 23, but I've been in um, a number of longer-term relationships, and I'm definitely more of a relationship gal. I don't really enjoy the process of dating, but regardless of what kind of person you are, whether you're looking for something serious or you're just dating around, getting ghosted sucks. (laughs) You know, it just makes you feel bad about yourself because you assume the worst and that would be like, oh, this person found something horrible about me and they never want to speak to me again. Um, But I don't, I mean, I don't know. I feel like from what I've read and heard and whatever about dating culture, ghosting is such a common thing and sometimes people use it just because they're too scared to like confront the other person or it's like, oh, this is somebody, you know, I hung out with one time. I I don't really feel bad ghosting them because they don't know me that well. I'll never see them again. But it's like, I feel like you do owe somebody that little bit of decency to at least send a text or a little Tinder message and be like, hey, I had a good time, but I'm not feeling it. Have a good life. (laughs) Is that a good message or is that bad? Um, How do you deal with someone ghosting you? I would say, um, give yourself a little time to reflect, you know, sit back, grab your journal, write it down, write it down and just, you know, say everything, everything about the date or whatever, or, I mean, that's assuming you went on a date. They could probably ghost you before you even go on a date. Um, it could be any kind of a situation. Get your feelings out in whatever way is healthy for you and try to imagine maybe their perspective without stressing yourself out too much. Don't make things up. Try to be realistic. But honestly, it's like, does it matter whether it's like they weren't interested or maybe they aren't attracted to you or maybe they're not over their ex or they found somebody new? It could be any number of reasons, but the big thing is to not take it personally because you know, this is dating and people are savage out there. But if if somebody is going to be the type of person to ghost you, you just know that that wouldn't have worked out well anyway. Like, if I were interested in someone, like considering a relationship or something semi-serious with them, and then they ghosted me, I'd be like, oh, cool. Now I know you're just, you know, that type of person, or at least maybe not in, in general that type of person, but like you and me, 
clearly did not work. So I'm just gonna accept it. It hurts my ego a little bit. But as always, you know, there are better people out there. There are people who will not ghost you. And that's gonna feel so much better. <laughs> so I mostly I'm sorry. It sucks to be ghosted. Um, somebody asked, how did your parents feel about your growing up poor video? Oh, this is a heavy one. Let's get into it. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you're more of a, a new listener, I made a video back in 2015. It was the end of my gap year and it is called Growing Up Poor. It is still online. It's probably my worst video in terms of like emotional vulnerability. Um, I definitely cry a lot in it, of course, but um, basically I was talking about my upbringing in my childhood, especially after the recession hit. My parents are self-employed and they work at home, which they have, you know, my entire life, but things really got a lot worse and business got a lot slower um, for a good number of years, you know, throughout my middle school and high school. So it was very stressful and um, I felt like I was living a lie because I didn't talk about it with anyone. I mean, of course, like, as a kid or a teenager or whatever, like, talking about money, especially when you don't understand it, is so uncomfortable. And I think at that age, everyone has such a superficial um, kind of attitude about money in general. So it's like, you don't want to be like, oh, I have Metro PCS because I'm 16 and I pay for my own phone bill and that's all I can afford. Like, you know, you just don't want to talk about it. So <laughs> that was a very real example. But um, yeah, I made that video and I am from affluent Orange County. It's a fucking expensive ass place to live, especially South Orange County uh, where I grew up. And it was really hard growing up in such a seemingly wealthy place. There were a lot of people who were in a similar position as me, but again, we all tried to hide it and nobody wanted to ever reveal, you know, that they get free or reduced lunch or that, you know, their parents worry about paying the bills month to month. Like, you don't talk about that, obviously. You're just trying to put on whatever front that you're okay, your family's okay. And for me, that was like, um, you know, I once I was 16 and I could work and, and pay for things myself, that's what I did. I was able to buy my own car and, you know, that's what made me feel better about the situation was like, this doesn't matter what my parents are doing or what my family situation is as a whole. Like, I'm just going to focus on me and what I can do for myself. So <laughs> I didn't have to give you a whole summary of that. Um, I got a lot of messages from people, quite a few people like from my high school, actually, who were like, wow, like, I didn't know you were going through that. But like, I've gone through a similar thing. And I appreciate you talking about it. Yada, yada. And that was cool because I was like, oh, it's nice to be vulnerable and like let it out. And and really, truly, you know, as much as it sucks to be in the thick of it, um, you have to not associate like your family's wealth or lack of wealth with your own self-confidence and your own self-love or even your relationship with your family. It's it's hard to separate all of those things, but you have to remind yourself that like your worth is not controlled by the wealth of your family. Whatever. Anyway, so when I was making this video, um, it was, it was stressful. I, my main concern and why I didn't talk about it earlier was, um, because of my parents, you know, I didn't want to embarrass them or make them feel bad 
because obviously that's not something that they'd want to talk about, any of their financial struggles, even though, like my entire extended family, a lot of us are entrepreneurs. I did not pronounce that right. <laughs> Entrepreneurial people. A lot of people in my family own their own businesses. And so with that comes a very like instable income source. It fluctuates a lot. And when business is slow, there's not really much you can do about it. So a lot of my extended family has had their share of financial struggles, and they probably didn't want to talk about it very much publicly either. But um, yeah, my concern was to try to show that I appreciate my parents and I appreciated everything that they did, like raising all of us, me and my siblings. And I know that they did the best that they could and that we were also in a ridiculously expensive area. And um, we could have moved to a much cheaper area in terms of cost of living and rent. And we would have been a lot more comfortable. But my parents wanted us to be in a place with really great public schools and be able to live by the beach and enjoy the natural beauty of Orange County and California and all of that. Um, So yeah, my main concern was not making my parents feel bad. I was like, this isn't even about you. This video is just about letting this weight off my shoulders just so I can talk about it. And um, anyway... I don't know if my parents still listen to my podcast. I think my mom does. So hi, mom. Um, Sorry to bring this up if you're upset about it again. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it it was a tough time because it was right when I was leaving for college. So I was like, I'm about to be out of here. And my parents were moving also. So I was like, you know what? I think this is a good time to talk about it. And then I'm going to peace out. And if it's uncomfortable, I'll be across the country in New Orleans. But um, anyway, my parents, luckily, are... um, doing better these days, and I'm really proud of them. I'm still very inspired um, to have parents that have their own business and have always worked for themselves, you know, regardless of the struggles that comes with that, because that's definitely a part of my spirit, and um, I could definitely see myself continuing to work for myself in some kind of way, Um, though the pros and cons of working at home are kind of difficult. (laughs) It's like, it's a good thing, but it can also be a disastrous thing. Um, so anyway, yeah, my parents, uh, they didn't love that I made that video, but I I explained to them within the video and, you know, afterwards that, you know, it's just, it's, I just wanted to talk about it and be honest and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And I love them. And and they've raised me. And I became a great person. So it doesn't matter how much money we had. There's my story. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to take a little break. And then we will be back with more questions. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. And we're back. So I've got a couple questions from people asking about Nathan and I and what our plans are in the future. So let's just start with that. Um, How long are you in England and what are your plans after? So at this point, uh, we are still waiting to hear back uh, about Nathan's latest visa application. And basically, if that is accepted, we'll be chilling for like the next three to five years, which would be incredible. It would provide a lot of stability for us. And um, the frustrating thing is we were supposed to hear back anytime from like now to mid-December-ish. And uh, apparently the applications have been a little bit behind, so it's going to take a bit longer. It's just like I have been in such a period of instability for like years, (laughs) like honestly since 
like my gap year. And I'm so used to moving, you know, multiple times a year and kind of being all over the place. But I'm really looking forward to just being able to settle down in the simplest way and, you know, live somewhere for like a year or two and really decorate and like have a consistent routine. Sorry, burping always. And um, Nathan's looking forward to that too. So if all goes well, we are aiming to hear back about his visa application. He would have to have a an interview. And then hopefully we would be able to go back to New York in January. Good news. I have been accepted to all four CUNY schools that I applied to. So I applied, applied to... I applied to Brooklyn, Queens. <laughs> I don't have to do that accent. Brooklyn, Queens, Hunter, and I don't know how to pronounce it. And I've looked it up multiple times and I say it wrong every time. Baruch? Baruch? Barrick? It beats me. If I end up going there, I'm going to have to learn how to pronounce the school's name. Um, so Hunter and Baruch are my top two. And... Um, I just really have to look through more of the course catalogs for each of the um, majors that I've been accepted into. All of them are something to do with communication, digital media, media in general, some journalism kind of aspects. Nice. So uh, the other frustrating thing about the school sitch is that they don't do a, um, a transfer course uh, suddenly my brain doesn't work. I take a two-second break and I'm like, hmm, can't think of words anymore. Uh, transfer credit, yeah. They won't tell me which classes will transfer until after you commit and go to orientation. So I'm like, um, I kind of want to know. But then it's like, does it matter? It's not like I'm going to be like, oh, nope, you won't take enough of my credits. I'll wait another year to go to school. You know, like I'm running out of options at this point. So yes, it would be for the spring semester. So that would start in late January. And I would really love to go back to school. I am done with the schedule of like, only having YouTube work or like a part-time job to do and just not like getting out of the house enough, not meeting people enough. Um, and I really obviously want to be finished with school soon, but I do enjoy the process of, you know, going to class and researching and reading and learning. Um, writing essays sucks, but you know, it's kind of enjoyable too. I like school. I always have. So I want to, I want to be able to go back. But, um, <laughs> the tricky thing is with this whole uncertainty with the visa, like at this point we're like, okay, best case scenario was going back in January together and then being able to find an apartment, move, decorate, all that. Um, if he doesn't hear back until possibly February-ish, I have to decide if I'm going to commit to school, which they want me to commit in like two weeks. And I'm like, okay, I'll commit somewhere, but I might end up losing that deposit. Um, it's possible that I may have to move back to New York alone, hopefully temporarily, like for like a month or two until Nathan hears back and hopefully gets approved for this visa. But again, there are just so many uncertainties in this. Um, and it's so frustrating. And I know I have people who who critique me and they're like, hey, just do do what you need to do for school. But it's like, I get how that seems to be the right situation. But like this relationship means a lot to me. And also the thought of me like 
living in New York alone is ridiculous to me. Like, my dream is not to live in New York. I am living in New York and have lived in New York because that's where Nathan's job is. It's a really great job for him. It provides a lot of opportunities. And also, okay, I'm down to live in New York, you know? Um, But I don't want to live in New York alone. Like, if I had never met Nathan, I wouldn't have moved to New York. But that being said, like, I would love if he could come to California, but the whole point is that he has these jobs and opportunities specifically in New York. So it's very complicated, and for both of us, we're making a lot of um, sacrifices in that, you know, he's he likes he loves America, and that's where he wants to be, and he wants to be with me. Um, but it is hard for him to be away from his family as well. So <laughs> the ironic thing is, like, New York is kind of the middle point for each of us. You know, my family's from the West Coast, California, Arizona. His family's from England. So we're both in New York like, we really don't belong here, but we're here together and we're going to make the best of it. So that's kind of where we are. Somebody also asked, um, would you and Nathan ever move permanently to England or someone else, somewhere else in America? And that's another thing that we've loosely talked about. But again, until we have some sort of Um, stability. We can't even consider all of these other potential options way further down the road. Um, I don't know. I, so far I like England. I don't know if I would live here, but also Nathan has wanted to move to, um, the States even before he met me. So I think generally our future would be in the U.S., but if we get married, we'll be dual citizens. So that's cool. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, as much as I will, I love to live in these different places, it's also hard for me to be away from my family and friends as much as I am. Um, we've both talked about how we enjoy the West. Definitely, for me, I prefer the weather of the West compared to the East Coast. Um, I'm just not a cold weather gal. Like, I'm really scared to go back to the New York snow. It's going to be tough for me. But... Of course, there are just so many other factors, like, you know, New York real estate. Like, could we ever own a home in New York City? Probably not. Or even Long Island? Probably not. Would we want to live, like, buy a home there? But don't know. Um, But, you know, for example, my sister lives in the Phoenix area, and I would love to be closer to her, and my grandma lives up in Arizona as well, so... Uh, We've considered, you know, the potential of someday ending up maybe in Arizona. Definitely the uh, housing and cost of living is a lot more affordable there. So who knows? We could be little desert babies. (laughs) I was actually um, born in Phoenix. I lived there until I was about seven-ish. So I grew up a desert baby and then I became a beach baby. And now I'm just everywhere. I'm a plain baby now. So, speaking of planes, oh my god, we're going on our cruise. I'm so, like, weirded out by that. Um, Yeah, we're going on the cruise, and we leave, like, next week. So, I'm trying to get a lot of this podcast and video stuff done so that I'm not a flop while I'm away on holiday. But, um, yeah, we're going to (laughs) freaking Jamaica. Oh, it's so funny. I I don't know why it's funny. Like, it's not funny, but I'm saying it's funny because I'm like, this is something so new to me and I feel giddy about it. I have been shopping on Depop to try to fill the holes in my wardrobe to try to put together something that I can wear in a tropical climate because, like, 
the thought of being in warm weather is so weird to me in the middle of December, but we're we're doing it. I've been shopping for some swimsuits and some little dresses and romper things to look cute. I'm only thinking about the Instagram pictures, which is so embarrassing. But, you know, you got to get that content when you can. Speaking of, <laughs> y'all know that I am very pale. That's obviously no secret. I have, like, the whitest porcelain kind of face year-round. And then my my arms get this, like, yellowy kind of tan, barely. But I don't, I don't really tan anymore. Like, I intentionally try to stay away from the sun because protecting your skin. But um, I'm thinking about this vacation. I'm like, dude, I have not worn a swimsuit in so long. And I am so pale right now. It's just, it's not the most tropical look, you know, everybody wants a little bit of a glow. So I've been low key considering getting a spray tan, (laughs) which is horrifying to me because I've never had one. And I just envision like the worst case scenario of me just being like weird and orangey, splotchy, and then it fading terribly. So I'm like, hmm, all right, best case scenario, I look glowy and golden and bronzed and cute. Worst case scenario, I look even worse than I do now. So should I take that risk? (laughs) Let me know. I should look around. I mean, I know that spray tan technology is probably pretty good right now, but like, should I do it? I don't know. Does it matter? Not really. Why get a tan when you could just face tune your body more tan? is the question. Hiccuping, sorry. Speaking of Facetune, um, I'm still not a fan of it. I've never used it on myself, but, like, I forget how mainstream it is to use Facetune. I mean, especially among... My throat's so dry suddenly. <clears throat> ouch! You know when coughing only makes it worse? Big ouch. Um, <laughs> I'm, like, having a breakdown in the middle of the episode. Uh, Facetune. It's such a common thing, even among, like, models and influencers, that I'm like, what? Like, I was looking at this one thing that popped up on my Explore page that was somebody's, like, Facetune exposed, and it was, like, showing the before and after, but not the exactly, because obviously they don't have the before picture, but they, like, show other angles of the same person and picture or day or whatever, And they're like, look, like, the stomach, the hips, the waist, the legs, the arms, the face, they've all been facetuned and changed. Like, why don't you just love yourself? (laughs) And it's like, uh. I luckily don't follow too many, like, Instagram models. I can't actually name, like, any Instagram models that I follow because, I mean, I just don't need that. Like, I'm like, oh, you're pretty, but why should I follow you? I don't need to see your beautiful face and body and clothing pop up with, like, really generic and terrible captions. Like, no offense, do your thing. I just don't need it. Um, And I don't follow a lot of celebrities. I do follow a lot of other, like, YouTubers, but I don't think that they are too over-the-top stylish and and aspirationally beautiful to, like, stress me out. (laughs) I try to keep my um, social media as, you know, healthy mentally for me as I can. So I don't want to follow too many, like ridiculously beautiful people, but also to think that these, like, some of these ridiculously beautiful people, who are obviously very beautiful naturally, they even still use Facetune. And again, I don't want to demonize it, because, you know, sometimes people have a zit and they want to get rid of it. I get that. But I still think I am fundamentally against, like, 
changing your body because it's like if we're out here talking about body positivity and like realistic body expectations but people are still going to be like making their waist smaller and making their legs thinner and smoother it's like it just sucks it even if we know like we know scrolling through instagram this is probably edited until you like unless you were to look at a book before and after your mind doesn't really absorb it, I don't think. Like, you can look at a picture and go, oh, this is probably fake, but you still react to it in a, a terrible way. Did you guys watch that um, Redefine Pretty or whatever video? It was Redefine Pretty. It's on YouTube. Yes, it is. It's from a creator called My Pale Skin, and it's this, like, short film scientific experiment thing. Redefine pretty creators for change. Um, it's about a skin positive blogger, M. Ford, who aims to redefine pretty with a powerful new video, which tests how the brain reacts to acne, scarring, and birthmarks. So she featured a number of, um, people who have problems with their skin, and she was trying to see if there was, like, a PTSD kind of element to how people react to, like, their own skin and their own face and these, like, perfect, you know, face-tuned pictures that they see. And they basically did find that the same part of their brain, like, that would be stimulated in a PTSD kind of situation is stimulated by looking at these photoshopped pictures. And it's like, holy shit, like, I know people talk about this, but I still feel like we don't talk about it enough. Like... I don't know. It's it's so damaging and we all know that it is, but then at the same time, like, if you take a picture and you're like, oh, this would be cute. If only I were a little smaller, maybe I'll just edit it. People still are so motivated to do that, even though we know how damaging it can be. And we know that anyone who follows us and sees that picture thinks that that's a realistic expectation, you know? It's like, it's really a, a difficult thing. But again, what I do to avoid you know, triggering myself in that way. I feel like I have a pretty decent, you know, level of self-esteem, but still, like, you know, I've been iffy about my weight and my body. I just haven't really looked at it much. <laughs> and then I feel like when I do, I'm like, oh, hmm, that body's different than it was in 2012. I'm shocked. Uh, so I try to either avoid it or just not think about it too negatively. And I am going to the gym still, you guys. Somebody wanted an update of uh, circuits, which is actually tonight. And I'm nervous. I don't know who's going to be leading the class, but I hope that I can handle it because I was consistent. I was going to the gym almost every day before we went to Dublin. And then we got back and I've been once, twice, twice. And now we're going to go to circuits. So I feel like I'm just a little less in shape as I was. Not that I was very much so before, but um, I don't like being, like, tired and sweaty and, like, out of breath in public, especially in a situation where someone's trying to, like, motivate you and it's in a very group setting. And I don't know. I just have to remember, like, I can dip out if I need to. It's not a big deal. It's literally just a workout class with all kinds of people in it. All right, let me take a break to try to sort out what the hell is wrong with my throat. I truly think every time I do the podcast... My body's like, hey, dude, you're really, you're going a little bit too far. You've been talking for a straight 39 minutes. Um, you're gonna have to tone it down. You haven't even spoken 39 minutes the rest of the day before this. So you really gotta 
gotta cool it. You gotta take some breaths, drink some water, maybe a little bit of uh, tea to help calm that down. Anyway, um, before I forget this thought, totally irrelevant to everything that I'm saying, Nathan is forcing me to watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I literally have been trying to watch the Fellowship of the Ring movie since 2012. <laughs> like, I consistently have every couple years, somebody will be like, let's watch Lord of the Rings. It's never me. It's never anybody that I really care to watch Lord of the Rings with. But I'm like, oh, okay, it's in a group setting. And like, you know, over the years, it's like, oh, I've, I've smoked and then I fall asleep or... I just fall asleep because it's a three-hour movie. <laughs> and so last night we started it. We watched the first hour and a half, took a break, watched another 45 minutes. We're going to finish the first movie tonight, which is exciting. I didn't know how much of it I would retain because I was like, I know vague things about Lord of the Rings and I know some of the characters. I don't really understand all the backstory. Um, I've also watched the only movie I've seen in its you know, entirety is the first Hobbit. And that's so weird. And I don't really remember it anyway, because that was when it first came out a couple years ago. So yeah, I'm watching Lord of the Rings. I'm actually excited to watch it tonight, because uh, I just want to finish that. And then we're probably going to start the second one. And I'll finally begin to understand, you know, one of the greatest and most loved series of books and movies of all time. So yeah, I need to stop talking. Bye! we're back. I have a question from someone that says, is Nathan vegan? Thoughts on dating a non-vegan? Um, I think they already knew the answer to that question based on that question, but no, Nathan is not vegan, but he does eat vegan with me quite a lot of the time. I would technically classify him mostly as a pescatarian. He does eat a good amount of fish. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting because since we met, he became very interested in you know, in understanding veganism, in terms of understanding me and my, you know, um, thoughts and motivations behind it. But he also became very willing to try out a lot of different foods with me. And that's so helpful because I would feel so terrible if I were with someone who just were not open to veganism or like not open to you know, eating at a vegan restaurant with me or understanding my needs. And um, the other day I felt really bad while we were in Dublin because we were trying to find, you know, a vegan place to go to. And I, I was like, I was like, I feel so sorry that I drag you to go to these places. Like, I don't even ask if you want to come to this vegan place for lunch with me. Because, you know, sometimes we'll go, often we'll go to non-vegan places. So it's not like I'm always forcing him to eat only at a vegan place. But he was like, he's like, don't say that. Like, you don't force me to eat at these places. I'm fine eating at them. Like, I like eating vegan food sometimes. Um, and yeah, in terms of how we grocery shop, while we were in New York, we almost exclusively bought all vegan groceries because, um, yeah, Nathan just, he, he transitioned his diet. And for the sake of, like, us cooking meals, it's a lot easier if we buy you know, all the same things. And if he wants to throw like some feta on top of something, go ahead. Also, he's really become accustomed to non-dairy milks and that's great to see. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's little things, but it does make our relationship a bit more harmonious. But also, I, 
I am glad that I'm not too strict because if I had met him and been like, hey, this is my deal breaker. Like, you have to be vegan or I can't date you. Like, that would be really rough because I know, at least at this point, he doesn't have any interest in being completely vegan. Um, As I said, again, like, a majority of the time, I think he's eating pretty vegan meals or vegetarian, pescatarian, whatever. Um, But I just appreciate his open-mindedness and the fact that he, you know, puts my needs ahead of his occasionally because he understands the struggles that I go through. So I think it's good. It's great. And um, I'm glad that I'm not so strict about it because like, yeah, you know, if we go to a restaurant especially, that's usually when he'll order like a fish kind of dish. And um, even though I hate the smell of seafood, like... any other vegans out there with me? I've never liked it. Like, before I went vegan even, I never liked fish, never wanted to eat it, hated the smell of it. (laughs) But uh, I don't mind when he orders something non-vegan. Like, I don't look at him and go, you sure about that? Like, if we're gonna go to, like, Blaze Pizza, he tried the vegan cheese, like, one time, and he's like, I'm sorry, but this is not good. Like, I'm gonna order regular cheese. I was like, I totally understand. Um... And it's funny because sometimes, uh, like, like in preparation of coming back to England, he knew that he'd be eating differently. He's like, oh, I'm going to be eating more traditional kind of foods because of my family. And, you know, they have just traditional kind of meals like Sunday carvery. <laughs> and um, so meat is definitely an integral kind of part of that usually. He's like, I just feel like I'm going to eat a little bit more like actual meat uh, while we're in England. Which, again, when I say that he eats mainly pescatarian. He, he is not a pescatarian because he still does occasionally eat, you know, red meat or whatever. Chicken, whatever. Uh, he doesn't care to put a label on it, which I don't care either, obviously. Yeah, he, he'll order something like, say he'll put pepperoni on his pizza and then he's craving it and then he eats it and he's like, you know what? It actually wasn't that good. And so I think it's been very interesting to see him kind of just like, you know, dip his toes in this little vegan kind of lifestyle and, you know, some some meats and things. He's like, you know what? It isn't as good as I remembered. And then some vegan things he really enjoys a lot more than he thought he would. So I just, I love my open-minded boyfriend and I appreciate him for, you know, supporting me in the way that I want to eat because it's not a huge deal, but it is, you know, food matters. But I think we still would argue in terms of, uh, you know, if we have kids, are our kids going to be vegan? How will we raise them? Because obviously I'm very strict and I I would not willingly want to feed my kids a non-vegan diet. Um, But again, that is a future discussion. It's way too much to get into and I really have to think about it before um, I would be able to definitively say anything. You know, gotta weigh the pros and cons. It's not as simple as it seems because obviously it seems like I would just right off the bat be like, I want my kids to be vegan because I'm vegan. But, you know, we'll think about it. And again, if (laughs) I'm like, not to get into it, but I'm getting into it. Just quickly, if I were to have my kids on a vegan diet, I'd have to be so careful to ensure that they're getting all the right nutrients. Um, Because on any vegan diet, you have to be sure that you're taking the right supplements and that you're absorbing nutrients correctly. And that's not always easy. So especially if I were, you know feeding my kids a vegan diet, I would have to be diligent about really ensuring that they were eating well. I mean, you have to do that whether they're vegan or not, but um, I would just feel really bad if I fed them a bad, imbalanced vegan diet and, 
you know, oh God, no, the stress of parenting is <laughs> weighing heavily on me. I'm like, how do people do that? Like, you just, like, take care of another human and you have their entire life on the line. And it's your responsibility. <sighs> Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Shout out to you who are parents. I know some of you have little ones and, and that's really incredible. I bet they're cute and sweet and I hope they eat balanced diets. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, what other questions do we have? I got a very specific question. <laughs> Would you quit a well-paid job at an, at an NGO? Okay. Would you quit a well-paid job at an NGO over unpaid internship at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs? Help. Would you quit a well-paid job over an unpaid internship? That's a tough question. I guess it, I, it would depend for me most rationally over whether I could afford to work an unpaid internship and give up a paid job um, because your girl needs to pay the bills. I'm pretty sure most people need to pay the bills. <laughs> so for me, I mean, I would have to either if I were doing an unpaid internship, I would still have to have, you know, some kind of a job to supplement my income. But uh, in your particular situation, go with your heart, but also, you know, check your, your bank balance and see how that's going to work out. <laughs> um, a lot of people have asked... How's living in England and have I noticed any differences between the UK and US culture? It's been very interesting. I, I think I want to make a whole video about this, but we'll see by the end of our time here. I've definitely picked up on a lot of different things about, you know, UK or English culture in general compared to the US. And again, it's really hard to generalize because it depends you know, what part of the U.S. you're talking about. Everywhere has different places. Everywhere across England and the U.K. have potentially different values. But in general, I think I do have a list going on my phone. There's something about recycling <laughs> that was important to me. Yes. Um, recycling. They are very good about forcing recycling, which I think should be, you know an obvious thing for everyone, no matter what. There are definitely cities in the U.S. that do require recycling, but there are so many that don't. Like, for example, when we're up at camp and we've got lots of water bottles and things going on, like, there's just no recycling happening. And I feel like that's so ridiculous to not have a very efficient and um, useful recycling program. Like, on any scale, whether it's just your household or, like, a major organization, I think, like, we have a responsibility to be mindful and actually take the time to recycle because it doesn't take that much energy to save cardboard, plastic, paper, bottles, cans, put them aside, sort them, you know? So I've actually kind of really enjoyed doing that while we're here. You know, we have to, you have to rinse out containers before you recycle them and then you separate them. And then that's it. And you know, you know, a lot of things are being recycled. The fascinating thing is, um, we went to drop off recycling one day and they take so many more recyclables than I thought. Like in, in the US mainly, like you can see bottles and cans. Sometimes like in California, you can get, uh, get your five cents back for bottles and cans, that sort of thing. But Mainly people will recycle those, but the recycling place we went by had, like, everything. Like, everything from, like, appliances um, to 
different kinds of woods and things, like everything that can be recycled and should be recycled. Uh, just I just wasn't used to seeing like an entire drive-by loop of different receptacles and different kind of materials that you could sort and recycle. So, <laughs> shouts out England slash the UK slash Europe. I don't know. I don't know who the overhead manager is of the recycling, but I just enjoy it. Um, I also said the um, no sales tax. So when you go buying anything, or there is sales tax, but it's included, so it's not complicated. So when you pay for something and it's um, £1.50 or it's 90 pence, <laughs> see, I'm learning. Uh, it's just really cool to me to be able to just pay something like, you know, just one pound instead of making it difficult the way that, you know, prices in the U.S. are. Like, oh, $1.99? Now I'm going to get a penny back? <laughs> or mm, it'd probably be like $2.07. I'm like, that's... Why do we have to do this? Why can't we just include the tax? It's so much easier to estimate how much money you need to spend when you don't have to factor in the, the tax. Also, um, the vegetarian and vegan, vegan labeling. So on all kinds of products at the grocery store, it'll say suitable for vegans or suitable for vegetarians. And it's like, it's a small label that other people probably don't like realize is even there if you're not looking for it. But as a vegan or a vegetarian, it's just so much easier to be able to quickly glance at something and have it confirmed, even though you can check the ingredients and everything too to have it confirmed that it is indeed suitable for your diet. It's great. <laughs> I've actually really been enjoying the vegan options. It's, I'm like, kind of spoiled. <laughs> um, like, we go to Waitrose and Tesco's for our groceries usually, and Waitrose has amazing vegan options. And I really like that, in general, the, um, the English stores that we've been going to have these, like, they're like single meals and you can freeze them or put them in the refrigerator, but they are very um, perishable. So it's like, okay, this will be like a little lentil spaghetti, one of our favorites, and it'll be good for the next three days. And it's just like a simple little um, <laughs> tray and then a little bit of film, plastic film, and then a cardboard label. And like, you can see right through it and see the food and you eat it soon and then you recycle the rest. I think it's just, it's nice to see... Um, Meals like that that are relatively healthy in terms of the ingredients and, like, lack of preservatives um, compared to the U.S. that has a lot of, like, ready-made meals, but they're, like, frozen, and it just doesn't feel the same to me. Again, it depends, like, what kind of stores you're going to, but I'm just thinking of, like, a standard grocery store, like, like Ralph's or Stop and Shop, you know, that just have... We used to eat, like... Gardein almost every night, which I still love, but, you know, like a Gardein protein and then rice and veggies. Like, that was our meal, predictably, so much of the time. And I have really enjoyed trying out different English foods or different products and trying to be a little bit more creative with our meals, uh, just taking advantage of the fact that we're here and we have different things to choose from. <laughs> so that's a very short list of the the difference is it's kind of hard to speak to the culture of England or the UK as a whole because, um, truth be told, I really haven't been out of the house very often, which is so funny. I think I'm learning a lot about myself in terms of, like, my work style and kind of, like, my day 
So let me tell you real quick, this was something that I was considering as a main channel video, and then I was like, this is not worth making into a video. Basically a morning routine. It's like, no, we don't need this. Um, I was reading something, or no, I was watching a video. I think it was Ingrid's, Ingrid Nielsen's video about how she stays productive working at home. And she was saying like, you know, I try to keep my phone away from me when I'm eating meals and I try to have quiet moments. And then I said like, oh, you have to work for an hour on this task and then you can take a break. You know, just very efficient ways to make sure that you're actually getting shit done when you work from home, which it's a struggle. So for me, <laughs> especially contrasted with Nathan's work style, it's very different. Nathan really does well in a nine to five environment, which is surprising. He's a very creative person, but I think he's just really good at working, you know, like if he has tasks to do, he will just power through them until they're done. And I admire that, but I work a little differently. And so, um, you know, Nathan has his regular desk job kind of hours throughout the year. And then during summer at camp, he's working like 12 hour days and he's just so so hardworking and he like never complains about it. He just gets everything done that needs to be done and that's it. Me, I need a lot of breaks <laughs> and I need a lot of time. I need a lot of space. Um, sometimes I'm a little bit critical of myself and I call myself like lazy, um, but really I just work differently. I have a different workflow and maybe I'm a little bit lazy, but I don't know. <laughs> In terms of like what I have to do currently, just my podcast and my main channel videos, that may not seem like a lot of work, but um, to do creative work and to have the energy to record a podcast or record a video, it is true that you have to be in a particular state of mind because if I'm feeling shitty or depressed or anxious, I cannot get on camera and just like pull it out of my ass. Um, some people might be able to do that, but I can't do that. So I really have to work around how I feel and make sure that I'm as productive as I can be on days that I feel my best. So that's one element of it, but also like my morning routine. <laughs> so um, I start my day. <laughs> I wake up. Lately, I've been waking up at like anywhere from like 8, 8.30, 9, 9.30. Um, I like waking up around like seven to eight usually, but again, we're not really in a stable, um, schedule right now. So it's a little bit different, but I wake up when Nathan brings me a cup of tea in the morning, which is very kind of him, but it is a really nice way for me to get up and force myself to be awake because I got to drink that hot tea and I don't want to spill it on myself. And I also don't want to fall back asleep because then I'll wake up and the tea will be cold. And that is a punishment. So <laughs> I wake up, I have my cup of tea and I found that I don't like to get ready until like noon or like one in the afternoon, and I can't explain why. So like, if I have, say, a video to edit or something, I will drink my tea and immediately jump into editing. So it's not like I have a problem working in the morning, but like, I don't wanna film right away. Like if I have to film a video and get in the mood to film a video, I like to have a slow morning, and that helps me like get in a good mood because I really enjoy the process of waking up and then, 
making my breakfast, maybe listening to a podcast or listening to a long video. Um, and that helps me prepare for my day. <laughs> Those of you who have busier schedules than me probably think that I sound like an asshole right now. But in my current situation where I don't have that many responsibilities, this is ideal. This is the schedule that works for me. So, so I'll do my breakfast and then I will start getting ready. So I'll either shower or whatever, start fucking with my hair and my makeup, get dressed. And then, um, honestly, I have to have lunch so soon. I get so hungry <laughs> so fast. So then I'll have my lunch and then I'll be ready to film. So then I'll film something. I'll record my podcast. Again, usually it's around this time. It's gotten dark, so the lighting's all shit now. But um, I'll record something. And then I find that... I like to work into the night. So on a day that I am doing a podcast or a video, I'll be editing and editing and editing and then I'll export it and then I want to upload it right away. And then it takes a long time to deal with the description and the tag and the thumbnail and everything. And um, yeah, like I can finish everything by like nine o'clock. So really my work day <laughs> goes from like 1 p.m. to like eight or nine instead of like nine to five. So you can kind of see how that's a little bit conflicting with Nathan's nine to five kind of schedule. Um, yeah, currently, obviously, he's not working like regular, but he still has um, some things of work to do. So he'll, he'll go downstairs and like watch the news and start working and emailing and stuff. Um, and then Nathan's like done with work by like four, which sometimes is a bit of a conflict because I'm like, that's right when I'm getting into it. Or like right when I'm about to film a video or record a podcast, sometimes they'll be like, you want to go to the gym? And I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, I want to go to the gym, but I'm just about to record something. And if I don't record it now, the sun's going to go down early. It's only 4.30 and it's dark out. So like if I don't record this on time, I'm not going to be able to record it today. And then I have this whole huge conflict in my head. I'm like, should I go to the gym or just, do I do my work or do I wait until tomorrow? Or do I just give up on the gym even though I paid for this pass? And it's a conflict. So <laughs> anyway, um... I kind of miss the days of Nathan going to work all day because it really does give me like the total freedom and aloneness that I need usually to be able to record. But again, I haven't had a problem filming here because um, Nathan's family's home is nice and kind of broken up and spread out so that this little wing that we're in um, gives me space to record things with, without feeling like someone's on the other side of the wall which makes me self-conscious when I'm recording. And um, and it's nice because Nathan and I don't work in the same space. Um, so we see each other throughout the day or we'll bring each other cups of tea or we'll make lunch together, but we kind of stay separate until our work is done. And then in the evenings we chill, we have dinner, we watch I'm a Celebrity and uh, Lord of the Rings, and that's it. Um, I feel like I'm getting all like sneezy and congested now. Ouch. Anyway, I have enjoyed this episode. Uh, my voice is already going out, as you might be able to hear. It's so funny what one hour of speaking can do. Honestly, how do teachers do it? How do lecturers do it? I would die. I just don't know. Um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, leave me a freaking comment. I want to hear your thoughts, even if it's just polo. Just a mindless comment to let me know that you're there. And also, yes, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps the podcast become a little bit 
Um, better. <laughs> I'm trying to think of words and I just like blank out completely. It took me a long time to remember the word milestone. I was thinking landmark and I was like, no, it's something else. It's something else. And then it was milestone. So um, it makes the podcast a lot more... No, it's not reliable. Um, It's like trustworthy, but no, like legitimate. (laughs) You goddamn idiot. Uh, You know, when you're an an adult and your brain just starts like melting, you know, when you've been out of school for a minute and suddenly your vocabulary is cut in half, kind of rude how that happens, you know, kind of rude. All right. That's all. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, Stay gifted. (laughs) I cannot do that sign off. Okay, thanks. Bye.